What I do is inconsequential. Why I do what I do is I get to shorten people's journeys every day. What I love about our hospitality industry is that it's our mission to make people feel cared for while on their journeys. Together, we'll explore what hospitality means in the built environment, in business, and in our daily lives. I'm Dan Ryan, and this is Defining Hospitality. Today's guest is a professional speaker, a full-time educator, an innovative industry leader. She focuses on making interior design a standard for all and not a luxury for a few. President and founder of Determined by Design, the most decorated Black interior designer of our time, ladies and gentlemen, Kia Weatherspoon. Hey, Welcome, Kia. Thank you. I'm so it excited. is so, yeah, it's so good uh, to have you on here. And again, I'm so, I know how busy you are and um, just to have a little slice of your time, it just means the world to me personally. Um, so thank you. Thank you. Um, and then just to let everyone else know, um, the first time I met Kia, she actually made me cry. And I'm just going to share that little story. So um, it was at the, I, I forget what award show it was. What award it, show was that? It was the ICFF. Oh, that's right. The yeah. ICFF Awards Breakfast. Um, so you were you were presented with an award for the, for the year and by yeah. Stacy Shoemaker, one of our mutual friends. And you got up there and started talking. It was early in the morning too. It was like eight or nine or 10 it or was. something like that. And um, you started talking and then you, your mom was at the table right next to me and you started talking about your mom. And then I don't know if you started crying first or the whole table that you were at started <laughs> crying, but like there were just all these tears that wound up coming to everyone's eyes and I don't know as soon as you as soon as I experienced you up on stage saying all the things that you said as we'll get into it um I don't know you tears welled up and I was like you have to be on this show and share your story <laughs> well so it's so funny um when I think back to to that experience right um I, I always tell people the key to my success is like I've always shown up as my whole self. Um, and as I have kind of ascended into like, you know, design leader and that whole sphere, um, I think it's always great to see leaders and moments of vulnerability where it humanizes them. Um, and my mom had never been to any like a professional award event. So that was her first time being present and to be designer of the year. It was really, um, it was just a very deserving um, and memorable and vulnerable moment for me. And I'm glad it like reached, um, I'm glad you were able to connect with it. Cause it was, I was pretty excited. I was, it was pretty dope. It was pretty dope. So well, yeah. And I just also want to say, like, I know I can, but it wasn't just me. It was like, every, I don't, I don't know if there yeah. was a dry eye in the place. It was like the emotion coming from you up on stage um, at the podium to everyone. It was, it was just so powerful and, and palpable. Um, yeah. So thank you. Like it, it, you know, I, I didn't have very much coffee that morning and I, I didn't need it after that. I, was, <laughs> I felt like I was walking on a cloud after. So we should, we should put in the show notes. You want to listen to this podcast at seven in the morning, it'll get you going. 
Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but maybe we'll, we'll 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 launch it at that hour there. Yeah, right. Uh, That's funny. So in the introduction, I mentioned that you you focus on making interior design a standard for all and not a luxury for a few. And I don't know. I've been in this kind of world of hospitality design for you know twenty something years. And what I found is over the past couple of decades is design used to be this unattained or was more perceived as an unattainable, like, oh, it's only for the rich or only for like these crazy well-heeled projects. But over the past couple of decades, I've just seen design be treated not as a so much of a as a luxury, but more of like a problem solving mechanism. It's 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 okay to really be a great designer, you're solving problems. And, but I've also seen almost a democratization of design where mm -hmm. it's not just the five-star properties that are getting it, it's everything. And it's kind of creeping into everywhere. And I think being in a well-designed and thoughtful built environment just makes everyone feel better and just better. So yeah. I'm, I'm curious on like, how do you like, what's driving you and and how did you become like this champion for design as a standard for all uh okay so i want to unpack a couple of things there and maybe i'll work backwards like what's what's driving me um so there are two pivotal moments in my life where i kind of was like oh my god spaces matter um the first was when i was um visiting my brother in a, pr in a prison he was incarcerated for 15 years. So me and my family would go in and out of prison facilities. And I, and Dan, when I say it's still, I remember it viscerally to this day. I remember walking in there and thinking like, this is fucking horrible. No one should be in this type of space, saying what they did. Um, and every year I would start to look at it from the perspective of the men, the children visiting the men, the spouses, the siblings, the grandparents, um, the guards working in this space. And it just really sat with me. Fast forward, um, I would join the military, the Air Force, um, and get deployed right after 9-11. And I was at a bear base and an Al-Udid Air Base in Doha, Qatar. And I needed some privacy in a tent with 14 other women. I didn't have it. So I took some sheets, I hung it from the top of the tent and I made three sheet walls. And that was the first space I ever created. Um, and I bawled like a baby for 15 minutes. And it was something about how that space healed me. It brought me comfort and solace. Um, and when I got out of the military, I said, hmm, I wanna do this thing where I create spaces for people. And now this is the part when people kind of go like, oh my God, that's such an amazing story. And I'm like, but is it? Wait, 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 let me, let me do it. Oh my God, that's <laughs> such an amazing story. And I always say, but is it? Because I literally just said, I had to go to prison and war to realize space mattered. Um, and it got me thinking about what people, what other people who look like me, why didn't their space matter when they were growing up? Why didn't I, I realize space in my community, the quarter store, the grocery store, the laundromat, my shitty low income housing building that I live in? Why wasn't I met with elevated design? Um, and that's how I've always approached design. Like, does everyone have access to elevated design? And I'm, I'm emphasizing elevated because 
it kind of goes hand in hand with this luxury, this con- this word luxury, right? Interior design has always been seen and still kind of is, is something for a few, but not all. And I, I remember seeing we're a luxury interior design firm. We're a luxury this and a luxury that. And we I've seen industry latch onto this word luxury, like a badge of honor um, to say I'm better because I do luxury. But I was really hyper-focused on how do we elevate it for everybody? Um, and that's why I think I've always been focusing on not acknowledging out loud interior design is not a luxury for the elite it is something we all need access to and in order to make such a bold statement i think we also have to look at the landscape of cities interior spaces whether it's small restaurants retail spaces hotels and be like look some of them look like fucking trash mm-hmm. um some of them don't look good they're ugly they're less than who is charged with doing better that is us as interior designers or creatives. Um, and that's why I've always stayed in that space and in that lane of until I walk into any space and it doesn't look different based on the community's socioeconomic standing, we still got a lot of work to do. We, that was a long-winded answer. We do. And no, but it's a, it's a, there is so much more work to do. But I do think that the trend is making that thoughtful, or I, I like your term, elevate, more elevated. Okay, it's thoughtful plus, right? You're, mm-hmm. you're kind of like leaning into it a little bit more. But I do feel like it's design has become this thing that really matters. And to hear you, you know, do three sheet, three sheeted walls, or your experience in visiting someone in a prison, it's, well, actually, with the three sheeted walls, it's like, that's the bare minimum yeah. of just being more more thoughtful but it 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 made you it gave you this safe sanctuary where you could where you could kind of huddle up and cry and just feel safe and you know as you know a launching pad for your journey to where you're going now yeah and and, and, and sometimes people always say did you always know you wanted to be a designer and i'm like no i always knew i wanted to make everyone always feel seen, welcome, and acknowledged in ways that I, I I never was, right? And I just so happened to do that through interior design. That's just the core of what I do. Um, yeah, yeah. So so actually, before you hung those three sheets, and you, and just like you said, you wanted to kind of make everyone feel a certain way. Like, what, what did you want to be when you grew up oh. before then? I wanted to be a ballet dancer for Alvin Ailey. Ooh. <laughs> I did. Yeah. And did, that was did the you goal. practice? So I was, so I did dance from the age of six to 18 until I joined the military. Oh, wow. Yeah. So when I joined the military, I was very naive. I was like, I'm going to get stationed on the East Coast and I'm going to dance at night and take dance classes and then I'll serve my country during the day. Um, and I got stationed in Wichita, Kansas, and then I went to war. <laughs> Oh, Wichita. Wichita. No shade if anybody's from Wichita. I've been there. I'm just saying I, I wasn't no expecting shade. to hear about Wichita. Yeah, <laughs> the shade. Um, okay, so then with all, the, so for all the students that you're impacting and just you being up on stage and you being here, um, 
And then all of the different projects that you're working on, which impact people in different ways, right? Depending on what the project is. As we kind of shift the focus over into hospitality, Mm -hmm. like how has your journey experienced your feelings or how you define hospitality? Okay. So we do... um we predominantly do multifamily housing. Um, so we got like big common areas, corridors, entries, and units, right? Similar to that of a hotel, right? Um, and I've always, and you know, in our industry, we latch on to market segments. Um, at Determined by Design, we latch on to community, a story, and a feeling. Um, and this idea of embracing. So the, the industry kind of like obvious, obvious, ob- obvious thought processes, that's hospitality, right? So we've always designed our low-income communities and our affordable housing through a hospitality lens. Um, and in doing that, we've been hyper-successful because I think sometimes we get can get stuck into, well, it's this type of project, so it's supposed to look like X. Um, it's this type of project, so you're supposed to use X manufacturer. And we've always just been a disruptor and saying like, but what if I do X over here in a Y type of project? And I think that's how we've been able to kind of, um, our work, our design work has been able to stand out because we weren't focused on what our market segment was, but what was the best design outcome for the people and the communities that we were working in and how do we make them feel um, embraced um, and their narratives told through the spaces that we created. That's how we kind of, you know, tow this line of, well, are you guys hospitality driven or multifamily driven? And I always say we're people driven. And being people-driven is always about hospitality in my mind. And then if you were to take that idea of how you make the others feel and being people-driven, how does that translate from the work you're doing in the office to how you're impacting students? Oh, so how does the work that we're doing, the office translate to impacting students? Uh, okay, so okay, 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 okay. Give me. You ever seen like Joe Pesci? She's like, okay, 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 okay. Sorry. Oh yeah. Okay. 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 Um, I miss him. He's great. I I think that my strength is I'm able to show up as my whole self, mm-hmm. and no one ever told me that that was okay and that was enough. Um, and I think my firm has been successful because I do that. Um, my firm has been successful because I am hyper transparent in all things that I do. Um, and my firm has been successful because we put the people first, not the developer, not the client, not the whatever. So when I'm in the classroom, what I teach my students show up as exactly who you are. Your voice is good enough. Design is not about the next client or the next project, but it is about the communities that you design for and emphasizing that those communities will impact at minimum four to five generations of people. And in order to create equitable design spaces, 
you got to show up as yourself so you're unafraid, right? Um, because if you're fearful and a client asks you to do something and it's inequitable or one, it's just a bad design decision, if you're showing up as your whole self, you'll say, this isn't about me. This is about the communities that we're serving. So I need to speak up. That's what I'm teaching my students. Um, and design is a whole person construct. It's about service. And to serve people, you have to be grounded in who you are. Um, yes, I can teach them the right materials, the right furniture, the right things for the applicable set space. I can teach them about programming, but I'm really trying to bring back this human focus, this human-centered fo focus mm -hmm. to my students um, so they can go armed and to be into the industry to be the best advocates um, for equal design outcomes for everybody. Did that answer the question? It does. And it actually, it made me think of more because I, I want to dig in there more because like your average student. How old are they? You know what, Dan? It, that runs the gamut. Maybe like 22, 24, or a second careerist who's over the age of 45. That's about like 50-50 split. Okay. So I'm going to go on an assumption. Yep. With, like, like, let's focus on the younger cohort. Yep. So of that whole younger cohort, how many of them are people of color? Uh, probably about... The 5%, 5%, 10%. That's me being generous. Okay. So let's just say it's 5 to 10%. So like, let's focus on the, on those, let's call them kids, right? Mm -hmm. Because everyone younger than me is a kid. <clears throat> um, so I'm a kid too? Yeah, exactly. Yes. You're, 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 you're a child. Um, but so you have these kids coming in and you're teaching them to to be their true self, mm -hmm. right? And they're coming from a place, I'm assuming, where there's they're they're used to operating within this world of code switching, right? Mm -hmm. How do you how do you coach them to be their true self and embrace it instead of code switching or in addition to or maybe turning the volume towards being their true self all the time? Like I, I'm really curious about how you how you help help them be comfortable with themselves all the time. So people have, people learn to do things when they see it modeled for them. Mm -hmm. And just my, my presence is enough. Um, I model it like, you know, if, you know, your listeners can tell really quickly. I use very colorful language at times <laughs> uh, in every setting. Like, I think I dropped the F-bomb when I got my award. I'll drop the F-bomb in class, right? And that, I'm saying like, oh, to be yourself, you have to curse. But that's just me, Right. So I model for them that it's okay as long as it comes from a place of authenticity. Um, I also do it by being transparent and talking about the uncomfortable things like money, right? When I was actually going through my um, salary renegotiations with the college that I teach at, my students knew all about it, right? So I'm modeling for them, like they knew numbers, everything. I'm modeling from them the, the barriers and the things, not to use like it like really heavy, but that have oppressed people of color in our industry by the code swishing, the um, pay inequity. So creating a safe space for them to talk about these things and teaching them, well, how do you get more money? How do you advocate for your value? 
to do those things, you have to start by being feeling comfortable enough that you can ask. And to feel like you can ask means you have to see your worthiness. But and it's also something very, it's all the small things that I think sometimes leaders forget about. One of my students said to, uh, to me, she said, she said, Professor Weatherspoon, you always call us by our names. I said, what you mean by that? And she's like, you address each one of us. And I said, cause you people, right? You a person. I'm gonna be like, hey, Dan, right? I'll be like, hey, Cordelia. All right, I address them cause I want them to know I see you. Um, and it's teaching them that sans hierarchy Oh, she's Dr. Weatherspoon. She has all these. I'm still a person. Sometimes I have bad days. And I think I want them to get out into this industry and you're going to meet design and luminaires, but they regular, they people too, right? So that's how I emulate these things. So when I bring people into my classroom, um, you know, I had Cheryl Durst, I'm the president and CEO of IIDA come to my classroom. And I could have done the typical go down her resume thing. But the first thing I asked her was, how was she making space for rest in her life? Um, I teach them to humanize everyone, sans the title or the hierarchy. And when you do that, when they in industry and they're designing for people, they'll search to see the person, not their demographics or their titles. Is that fair? It's totally fair. And I think, I, I don't know. I've always believed that like learning is really by doing and experiencing. Um, and I think just to see you up there being your true authentic self, it, you know, they're not, they might model you, but it's also just like, Hey, it's cool. I can be who I am. Yeah. 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 And then, and then for all, just for, for the clients, for all the people, all the different stakeholders that you're working with from students to clients, to people walking through your spaces to everyone like how how do you measure your impact oh um so i think for us we do a lot of kind of post uh, like post occupancy surveys and questionnaires uh, where we literally just talk to the people we talk to the people in this in the projects that we've created um we make ourselves accessible to them um, it's not like these elite designers came in and then they left, uh, but we do a lot of designer discussion series. Um, and that's really just so they can be like, yeah, we liked it. We hated it. We didn't. Um, sometimes we quantify that data. Um, and sometimes we just receive it as a practice, as a firm, um, mm-hmm. for our, our, and we typically don't say clients. We always say partners for like our development partners. Language is really key for us. Um, for us, for most of my development partners, dollars equal success. And I'm just going to go ahead, let them have it. But um, when we don't have to value engineer out a project and they're able to get more, um, that's a success. Um, even like the property management team, um, the people who are going to be like operating the building, we have, when they say to us, we've been able to get more programming more residents are coming into the spaces. That's success for us. And that's how it's measured by conversation, dialogue, inclusion, hearing them. That's how we measure success. On all the awards and stuff for secondary. Um, and what about your students? Uh, <laughs> how, do you, how do you measure the impact 
that you have on them aside from a grade, right? That's the, that's the number one KPI. But like you said, with money, it's not really, it is about that, but really there's other ways to, and more meaningful ways that you might measure success. So with, so with my students, for me, success is measured by a couple of things. Um, one, when they realize getting the A is the least important thing, right? Um, when they say to me, hey, professor, um, I had the courage to reach out to Dan Ryan and I've been inspired by him. And oh, guess what? Now I'm doing a phone call or a shadow day with him. Um, when they tell me, um, you know, hey, professor, I was able to get the salary I negotiated for, right? Um, and when sometimes they just like, email me my students just send me great messages like my confidence is so great thank you um I found a mentor um that's a more of a verbal affirmation not a tangible thing um when I help them get a job or connect them with someone um all that to me is a metric of success and can I tell a quick story Absolutely. Okay. So one time uh, back in 2020, I had got invited to the um, IIDA South Florida chapter. And I do a lot of speaking engagement. So I just kind of went on with it. And when I got there, this teacher comes up to me and she goes, oh my God, Cassie talks about you all the time. She saw you in 2015 and she said, you just changed her life. Like she wouldn't be here without you. And I was like, really? So for me, impact sometimes is not something I'm not searching for. It's like little nuggets that you leave along the way um, and they come back to you. And then that's how I know, like I've been impactful to this next generation of designers. Cassie. Cassie, yeah. Okay, yeah. great. It's very cool. uh, so in there, I heard a couple different words of giving or delivering confidence courage and inspiration um and i think we all could use more of that and i also think like as we talk about that idea of elevated design i feel like design should i always get leery when i say the word should because who am i but <clears throat> it should inspire confidence courage and inspiration and i yes. think i think that we all have the ability to do that just by you know leaning it into it a little bit um, I have a little story. So yes. for those of you who don't know, we have, um, we always do like this alignment call before the podcast. I don't like give questions. I give one question like, Hey, how do you define hospitality? But um, it's also just making sure you have a good microphone, make sure the internet's stable, you know, which is kind of good housekeeping. It's about 20 minutes, but um, Kia, you mentioned something that I really want to learn more about which is this idea of radical hospitality. Like to me, that's super powerful. And mm -hmm. especially as you think about radical hospitality as it pertains to what I heard you say just recently of just confidence, courage, and inspiration. Like what does radical hospitality mean? Like share that with our listeners. Okay, so hell, everything we do is radical, but um, <laughs> radical hospitality, We this is how we defined it. Um, it's this feeling of, being welcomed, embraced, included, accepted, seen, but without any barriers, bias, or judgment. 
And I think our industry, I don't think I know that they can embrace this idea of radical hospitality, specifically with interior designer design. Um, to do that, you have to see people through their stories. And when I say people, I also mean communities, through their stories. Um, and then there has to be unconditional empathy in every step of that process. And then you also tangibly have to search for those stories and be hyper unapologetic of having them reflected and narrated in the spaces that are being designed and or developing. You gotta wanna make it captain obvious. That's how you really, really embrace radical hospitality. That's what it means for us at Determined by Design. I, I, I mean, that just resonates with me so much because one of the surprising things from all these conversations that I've had with these amazing guests like you over the year, or more than a year now, is this idea, which I think is overlooked so much, of unconditional empathy, mm -hmm. right? If you're really opening, and I think that that solves so many issues in the world, like if we can just all learn to open our hearts a little bit, be vulnerable, or maybe more than a little bit, more. A lot of it. it. Yeah. A lot of it. It changes everything. And I can even feel talking with some people, maybe not here because I have to be like super on and like listening and I'm open to hearing you, but there are times in life outside of this where I just feel myself closing off and, mm. and, and it's almost like a, like a calcification of a feeling, right? I can feel it. It's a thing. And I just, whenever I feel that, I just need to remember, breathe, open, listen, have unconditional empathy, because that's really what helps us see and hear each other. Yeah. And, and I want to, and it, and sometimes I'm like, oh, you could say the thing that the, the proof of the thing, but I want to like show, like give like tangible, actionable example, right? So we were working on a project and I think this also goes to this kind of diverse, the importance of like diversity, equity, and inclusion in, in our industry or just in all industries. Um, you know, still, you know, 90% of architects are white, only 2% of interior designers are of color. And I think this empathy comes into play when you're designing for people who don't mirror you or you're designing in communities that you've never experienced. Um, one time we did this empathy exercise, one of our development partners, um, you know, we like to start with describe the space type X that you would want for your loved one. And they don't say we want this marble, this, the, this, that. They use more like adjectives, want to feel welcome, soft, flexible, blah, blah, blah. Um, and then we'll show them a picture um, of one of their, we'll show them a picture and we say, is this a space that you would want for your child or loved one to have the thing X event that you just described? And they'd be like, no. And I'm like, well, why did you create it for someone else? Because we just pulled it off your website. Right. So it's not like trying to get you. It's more so like, let's think about the design decisions we are asking of our creative professionals and our creative professionals. We should every step along the way challenge or educate our partners about is this good enough for all people? And if it's not, we are not designing through an empathetic lens and the client or the partner is not developing or whatever through an empathetic lens. 
That is how you tangibly create um, equitable design outcomes with an empathetic lens. Mm. I love that. Yeah, and it's really, I, I actually that asking them how they would or what they would want for a loved one, it really pulls out those adjectives. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna use the, I'm gonna R and D that rip off and duplicate. <laughs> that and you know what? Please do. And this is why I I'd say all the time, look, Determined by Design can't be on every project. It can't do every project. So I'd rather teach other people what we do and why we're successful. Mm. So it could spread. It can spread. So yeah, rip off and duplicate. I like that. <laughs> yeah. You know, and I, I want to go back to where you talked about your brother in prison and incarceration versus rehabilitation. Mm-hmm. And you know, I was just in Phoenix, like I said, and I was talking with an architect who actually was in town and he went to go visit a prison that he's an architect of mm-hmm. that was for Hawaiian prisoners. Apparently like Hawaii ships their prisoners to the desert of Arizona. And I, okay. as I'm hearing that, I'm thinking that's full on incarceration, not rehabilitation. I didn't ask him like, how do they design for rehabilitation or anything? But as I was just playing that back in my head as you were talking and I was like, wow, that's crazy. Have you done any work or do you have any ideas about how prisons can change to be more rehabilitative, if that's even a word? Oh, so so it's so funny. My undergraduate thesis was actually a male prison facility. Um, And... I really deep dive into like how the, the the men move through the space. So in this facility, it was hyper-focused on rehabilitation. Um, all the finishes were elevated, um, but the way they traversed through the building, no one ever moved in a backwards motion. Um, because when you think about it, 75% of inmates, they're, they're, 75% of them recidivate, which means they go back to prison. So keeping them constantly in this trajectory of moving in a forward motion. Um, so that was a very like heady research thesis I did in undergrad. But I've done two things. Um, you know, one, the work determined by design does. Two, also our procurement company. But that is the next thing I intend to tackle, right? Um, is to look at institutional design, the justice design. And how do we rethink it and reimagine it? Um, and I'm going to actualize it here. We will be the design firm that changes the way the interiors of prisons are created. Um, wow. Okay. Yeah. We're not there yet, but we will be. Because when you think about a prison, what is a prison? Common areas, corridors, and some units. Mm-hmm. Right? Um, it's it's housing people, then they can't they can't just leave and check in and out as they want. But I think it's our hyper like approach to fuck the market segment designed for the people. It's stripping down that segmented barrier that allows us to be innovative in any space that we create. And that'll be my next that's that's the future, one of many things, the future of what determined by design will do. Um so we're 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 yeah, that's next. That's powerful that's next. and great. And if I can help via any connection or however I can help with that impact, like just please let me know because I feel, and I feel like it's it's that way with 
you know, prisons, like that's so obvious, like, and rehabilitation and injecting a bit of hospitality in that. But I'm also, you know, more widespread or just like hospitals and healthcare where I just feel like it's not, that, that should be about healing and wellness. And so much, I heard you say institutional a bunch of times, it's, it tends, it trends to back to being more institutional and not about healing and wellness. But I feel like with just inserting a bit more of an elevated design perspective, like you said, um, I think it can contribute in like a placebo almost of yeah. helping people rehabilitate and get better. And, and it's so funny, like, because one of the things I said earlier, I'm hyper like sensitive to language, like even the term institutional design, what is that? Like, if you were to Google, sounds like if, what it is. If you were to Google institutional design, you'd see courthouses, hospitals, that, that kind of straddles the lines of healthcare, um, education, prison. So all those things are institution, institutional design. Um, even that just kind of makes me cringe. Um, this 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 construct of the market segments. Um, yeah, just kind of like ugh. institutions are filled with people, and this is why you have to be people focused. Like, <laughs> I, yeah, I totally agree. And then, so that's super exciting on the institutional front that you mentioned. And then, like, as, as you also look to the future, like, what's exciting you most? Like, what, what are you? What what's helping you get out or exciting you to jump out of bed every day? Um. Well. Um. You know, so today, uh, um, I, my company just turned 10 in September. So congratulations. Is, thank you. That still keeps me excited. Um, An overnight success after 10 years. Absolutely. And I haven't aged a day. <laughs> I'm still a kid. You are. You're younger than me. So um, you're a kid. But my, when I, Dan, when I say my team, they are a beast of just mm. young designers, um, that that legacy that I've built, that space that I've created for them, that gets me excited. Um, so um, my my vice president, Sequoia Hunter Sujay, um, me being able to like put a spotlight on her for this industry to see, oh, they're not ready for her, but they gotta be because I'm pushing her out there. That gets me excited. Um, our new procurement company, Lucidity Procurement, that gets me excited. Um, but what's grinding my gears now is I am venturing into the startup space um, mm. where I am going to create a place facility um, to bridge the gap between college and the industry. Um, I'm currently working on a pitch deck um, and then I will start um, doing a lot of kind of fundraising, entering in the VC space, um, that I know will be the next phase of my legacy. And that gets me really, really excited, really excited. So aside from being a, I guess we're all, we're all entrepreneurs who are talking here, right? It's like, aside from being a designer, a professor, this, you're an entrepreneur. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I'm an entrepreneur, I'm a business owner, but at the end of the day, I'm just Kia, Dan. I'm just Kia. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm just Kia. I love it. And then, so you're teaching at Savannah, you're in DC, you're all like, you're all over the place. Like, where are you spending most of your time? 
Uh, Delta Terminal A. <laughs> the Atlanta Hartsfield Airport. No, no, but seriously. Uh, uh, so right, right now, I spend the bulk of my time in Atlanta. Um, but you know, my heart and my home and my arts um, is is in Washington D.C. Um, but most of my time is physically in Atlanta. Okay, and then when you're on the road and spread thin all over the place, what what kind of what food solves your homesick feeling? Oh, you. We cannot tell folks that. Look, don't judge me. And if y'all did, I wouldn't care anyway. Um, I love McDonald's. <laughs> oh, wow. Okay, so what's your go-to? Child. So when I, sometimes when I'm on a go and I'm like stress eating, it's the French fries. It's the salt. Oh, yeah. Um, mm-hmm. It just, it's just like, as it's um, calm up, this calming of the, of all the things with a Big Mac and fries. <laughs> yes. Hey, we all have our guilty pleasures. You know what's so weird? I loved McDonald's so much as a kid, and it was like always a treat to go. But I'm very surprised, and it, and I feel like they they've engineered the food to light up all of our yeah. serotonin receptors in our brains. But the weird thing is, my kids actually hate McDonald's. I don't know why. It's That's so, so good. I know it's good, but it's also upsetting because sometimes I want to go have a Big Mac with them. <laughs> and you're like, kids, can I use you as a scapegoat? No. Yeah. Oh no, there's no dice. But my team member always says she's the, she goes, stop eating that trash. And I'm like, I know. Um, so I try to do it like once a month. I'm not like at McDonald's every day. I'm traveling, but but it's yeah. Yeah. Awesome. <laughs> okay so then also on the on the startup in the startup world and the, uh, the vcs that you're talking to like where are you like where are you thinking of heading like what kind of direction um so i am going to go to big kind of ngos um because mm-hmm. it will have this connection to you know interior design design for good um but i'm also going to go to industry um and industry and when I when I make this hard push and this hard and I start to make these hard pitches, um, I think industry is looking for a place to funnel money to cultivate the next the next generation of Black and Brown creatives, um, and they will come from this school that I create, um, and I will take all of your money. Um, thank you, please, and thank you with a smile, um, because when people talk about diversity, equity, inclusion, I always say if it didn't affect your bottom line or your bottom dollar as a business, then you didn't do anything. Um, put your money where your mouth is. Um, I would say a closed mouth doesn't get fed and I'm going to comfort to industry um, because a great man that I know, his name is Jack Travis. He said, we need $30 million in 30 years to truly build the pipeline for black and brown creatives. Um, and I am working on the place to build that pipeline. That doesn't sound like that big of a number. I'm glad you said that, Dan. <laughs> it, yeah. it really doesn't. Yeah. Um, so that's that. That's to me is just like, yeah, that's my next thing. So I'm so excited. excited. Well, that's exciting also because, you know, I was just at this, uh, the lodging conference out in Phoenix. Um, and I met a woman named Ashley who is, works at Howard University. And Ashley she- Johnson? Yes. Yeah. Oh, you know her. Okay. I good. Do. Come 
all the blacks in hospitality know each other dance. <laughs> oh, good. Well, I just met her for the I just met her for the first time. And she was walking around with three awesome students um, who I interviewed. And I, I need to cut all that stuff together and get it get it up here. But um, when you say the $30 million, I don't know how much Arnie Sorensen from Marriott bequeathed or endowed the hospitality program at Howard with, but I know there's more Arnie's out there yeah, um, who want to affect who want to affect this change. And the cool thing about Howard, they're like right in DC or really close to it. And it's like it all feeds in. Like there's Hilton, there's the Everyone, there's Hilton, yeah. there's Marriott, there's Pebblebrook, there's Host, there's RLJ, there's all those. It's like the mothership there. So it can. I know that money is out there for you to affect your change. Yeah, and when I'm right, don't worry, I'm gonna call you and be like, hey, Dan, remember? Remember we recorded it? Um, it's on record. Could you make those introductions now? Thanks. Yeah, <laughs> totally. What, whatever I can do to help. Well, I'm glad you know Ashley because I was gonna say, oh, I should connect you with her. But if you y'all are y'all are in it to win it, so yeah, we are. That yeah. But she was great. I actually want to have her on as a guest as well, just so Fantastic. she can tell her story. And I think what was super cool, which I didn't realize, is what I learned from the students is um, they all have regular majors. So there was a marketing major, an mm. accounting major, a finance major. But when you talk about the lens of hospitality, again, I'm not an expert, but it sounds like you can have a hospitality emphasis. So you can all have your majors of whatever they are. Mm -hmm. But then there's an overlay that focuses you into hospitality. So it's not like you're a pure hospitality major. And that sounded very unique and interesting to me. Do you yeah, know anything about it? So, so not specifically that program, but this is what I think is realizing all the, the key word here is hospitality. That's at the intersection of everything. And again, if we go back to what hospitality is, right? Um, as, as how I defined it, or um, it's feeling welcome, embraced, included, accepted, and seen, yada, yada, yada. Mm -hmm. But to do that, you have, you got to have people coming from all spectrums, yeah. right? And I think that's the beauty of that program. Um, the intersection is welcoming and inclusion. Um, so it, I'm sure it works because they're not looking at it from just one traditional pathway to get to the intersection of hospitality. Well, the other cool thing is that these three students had never been to a conference before. Oh, I love this. Right. So they're, you know, you're looking at their eyes were just like, oh my God, this is so crazy that everyone is just here to specifically talk about any aspect or all aspects of hospitality. And, you know, I get so much energy off of students, just like you must you know, yeah. at Savannah College of Art and Design, but um, it's like that fresh perspective that they all bring to the table. Mm -hmm. and, and you know what? I wish, I wish industry would do more of that. Like just kind of set, because I think, how many conferences have we been to A lot. in our career, right? So mm -hmm. I think we begin to, we forget, to, we kind of take them for granted, but I always say bring one bring go, say local college whatever's closest to you hey do you have any any majors in hospitality or x can i bring them with me to a, a conference or a trade show it's about sponsorship again sponsorship requires money right mm -hmm. um that that's a very like low hanging low hanging fruit to just being more inclusive in our industry 
because we might be like, oh my God, another conference. But to them, it was like, oh my God. Oh my, totally. Um, and that I think can help us kind of feel a little bit reinvigorated um, seeing it through their lens of just excitement and that first time experience. And I think we forget that um, as leaders, bring someone along and stop taking the things from granted that you do so often that someone else hasn't even done yet. And these kids were amazing. Like when I was interviewing them, they, they were just so on it. They yeah. just had a message. They had a vision. Um, and I'm saying had, they have, they were just super in inspirational and I can't wait to get them up. I'm doing like these little short forms of these man on the street or nice. person on the street interviews that I did. And, uh, I'm excited to get that up. So thank you for reinvigorating it. me on. I love it. All right. Well, I mean, this has been just so fantastic for me. Um, learn more about you. How can they find you? Oh, how can they find me? So you can find me, um, go to the determined by design website. That's the best way to follow, to find me. Um, but also, you know, reach out to me on LinkedIn. Um, now I will say, if you reach out to me on LinkedIn, you better tell me why. I think people just accept LinkedIn connections for the sake of it. Um, <laughs> but be like, what you, why you want to connect? Let's talk about why you want to talk. But our website, Determined by Design's website and on LinkedIn are the best way to reach me. Yeah, and if you want to reach out to her on LinkedIn, I think a good way is I want to be able to I want to learn from you on how I can be my whole self. How do I bring my whole self, my authentic yeah. self to the table? Yeah. But yeah. don't, don't rip off and duplicate what I said. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's, that's, that's a good one. That's a good one. Yeah. Um, well, Kia, I just like, thank you so much. I've really enjoyed this conversation so much and thank you for making me cry and now laugh. It's and, um, spectrum. yeah. And I guess thanks to Stacy also for, like in a roundabout way introducing us so thank yeah, you that's my girl I love her I adore her um yeah yeah oh Stacy she's amazing <laughs> um and 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 also importantly I just want to thank our listeners it's so crazy I keep saying this but I'm humbled every week when I look at all the numbers like we grow every single week so we're striking a nerve and um I'm sure it all comes down to the guests that we have on like you Kia but I just Thank you for all the, the growing listeners. And if this has changed your idea on hospitality or diversity, equity, inclusion, please pass it on to a friend. Um, this is all word of mouth. And thank you, everyone. And we will see you next time or hear you next time. Bye-bye.